from the great, the great Pelican State. Welcome to What Makes Me Weird with Joel Sharpton. I'm your host, Joel Sharpton, and this is What Makes Me Weird. Every week we have a different guest on to talk about their passion for their industry, art form, or hobby that sets them apart, the thing that makes them weird. Uh, or at least weirder than everybody else. Uh, this week, our guest is Shell Hamilton. She's the host of the Meditation Minis podcast. You can find all of her work at shellhamilton.com. She's a uh, registered uh, hypnotherapist, and she's also a uh, guided meditation expert. And she's helped me a lot in that area particularly. I've been listening to the Meditation Minis now for a few months, and I, I love it. I think it's just the right little bite size time to spend with myself, you know, and to uh, to focus myself for my day's uh, work as well as time with family, the kids. At Tesco, we can pop our pasta in your Astra, our Red Leicester in your Fiesta, or our Mayo in your Mondeo. All you need to do is try Click and Collect. Just go to tesco.com, order your shopping, then click and collect. With the minimum basket spend now only £25. And if you fancy something a little more exotic... We can even put our pad tie in your cash kai. Try Click and Collect at tesco.com. Every little helps. Selected larger stores, booking charge may apply. See online for full terms and conditions. All of the different stressors that you have in your life, it's a nice way to step outside of that and and remember what you're doing, the things you're doing for. Um, If you are interested in these sorts of topics uh, about meditation, about uh, hypnotherapy, about the inner workings of the mind, I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Even if that's generally not a topic that you're interested in or something that you've done a lot of research in, I think you're going to find Shell really wonderful, very personable and uh, very intelligent, very well-spoken on her topics. We had a great time with this conversation, and uh, if you'll stick around after the interview, we've got a, a little bit of a of addendum to add on to this uh, discussion. We focused about a, a recent news story in the Florida area, and after the interview, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. I hope you enjoy this episode, though, as we talk to Shell Hamilton about meditation, hypnotherapy, and the mind. Michelle Hamilton, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. You and I got to meet uh, when we went to Podcast Movement for a little while, but um, I've been listening to your show since before that, actually, um, and and it's really, I can't tell you how much it's helped me personally. I am a guy who's fairly high-strung, Shell. I know that might be uh, hard to imagine for those that, <laughs> that know me well, but it's true. Uh, and uh, I, I find, in particular, the, the Meditation Minis is a, a big way that I sort of recenter myself and, and clarify a focus um, throughout the day. So what I wanted to talk to you about specifically is how you got into this world and, and, and the different things, the different avenues that you found once you got into it and, and everything. So why don't we go back to the very beginning? How did you come to, was it meditation first or was it hypnotherapy first? Which one um, was the, the antecedent? Well, at the very beginning, I was born in Florida. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Uh, <laughs> I think that the, uh, the podcast would put everybody to sleep. This might make a great insomnia story. Um, so, yeah, the hypnotherapy, meditation, what happened first? So I am a trained hypnotherapist. Um, even as a kid, though, I was really interested in all kinds of modalities. I was like the the weird kid who would go to the library and check out 12 books and half of them were nonfiction and the other half were like Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys mysteries. Um, So I've always been fascinated in 
how people's beliefs, belief systems affect them, whether it be politics, religion, etc. cetera. Uh, and then I was doing some meditation. I used to sit with, I'm trying to think timeline wise, was that before or after? I had done some Buddhist meditation before I became a hypnotherapist. Um, I did more after I became a hypnotherapist, but they all kind of happened around the same time. And I was really against hypnotherapy and being a hypnotherapist. I thought that uh, hypnosis was only what my flaky friends in Los Angeles would fall for and a really smart Midwestern girl would never go for that. Um, but like literally books were falling off of tables about hypnosis. It was just a really strange six weeks. Um, and finally I threw my hands up and said, okay, I'll go check out this hypnosis thing. And the meditation minis happened. Let's see. I became a certified hypnotherapist in 2007 and the meditation minis happened this past year. Um, and what I have found over the years of doing hypnotherapy, and I, I did like a guided meditation group for a year as well locally, was that it's really the same thing. Um, hypnosis and guided meditation, you know, that's a little different than silent, but it really is super similar. I, I consider it one coin, two sides. And and I, I, I agree with you, by the way, uh, the, the little bit that I know about hypnosis and the um the beginnings of experimentation that I've had in meditation, like I do uh, guided meditation specifically, I do think they are very similar. Um, guided meditation in particular, I have found so much easier to get into and so much easier to gain something from than um, silent meditation. Silent meditation is something that I've tried again and again and again through lots of different schools, through lots of different, um, uh, you know, origin points and have never been able to calm myself enough um, to, to do it on my own. You know, I, I can't, my mind is just, is too, uh, disarrayed. And yet when I have that calming voice, when I have the, um, the help, when I have the guide, suddenly mm -hmm. I, very easily, I can find my way through to what I'm trying to, to get to. You, you made a good point though. And, and I want to go back to that, uh, you know, the smart Midwestern girl that doesn't buy into all this hocus pocus. Why do you, <laughs> right. why do you think I mean, as much as our culture has adopted different things from around the world, why do you think hypnosis in particular is still sort of on the fringe? I mean, you know, I, I, I've heard people compare it to um, even people who m might have found use for it. You'll often hear them say, well, it's sort of like a chiropractor. It's not for everybody. You know, I, I, I get that. I get that. But I, I, I've found a lot of good out of it. You hear people almost apologizing for it. Um, apologizing yeah. for being into it, apologizing for finding value in it. Why do you think it still stands so apart from us, especially here in the Western world? Oh, wow, that's a loaded question. I, there's a couple different directions I could go with that. So first of all, because hypnosis is part of uh, the subconscious realm of the mind, your conscious mind, which is where your ego lies, your your conscious mind is like I think of it as that little dog that wants to yapper at you to make everybody think he's a big dog. <laughs> so the conscious mind is going to go, well, that's some BS. That's not real. That's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. Because it is a language that um, really gets into the subconscious mind. 
that's what makes it so powerful. We do the same language when we're doing prayer, when we do meditation, when we read books or go to movies, we're accessing that same part. You know, anytime that you have an emotional reaction to music, you're accessing the same part of the mind that hypnotherapy accesses. Now, if you really want to open up a little bit of a hornet's nest with that question, um, we could get into this idea that we're always hypnotized. It's a matter of what we choose our hypnosis to be. TV hypnotizes us. The news hypnotizes us. Anytime that we get into a fear state, and this is what makes news so powerful, right? So scare you, scare you, scare you, go buy stuff. Scare you, scare you, scare you, go buy stuff. That is hypnosis right there. When we have a trauma, we go into a disassociated trance state, which makes us more suggestible to outside influence. Fear, 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 go buy this product. <laughs> and so there's this underlying thing too that we're kind of scared of that. The movies and stuff have made it seem like, oh, it's this and that, and, and it's not this and that. Because if everybody knew the reality of what it was, they would turn off their TVs and never watch them again. Right? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm with you so much. I so uh, very recently, I um, on, on my other podcast, always listening, we review podcasts, and and one of the most recent ones that we covered was Invisibilia from NPR. Um, and, and that's a really cool show. They talk a lot about um, thoughts, the way the brain works, the way um, that we interact with our um, environment. And, and, and in particular, there were a couple of episodes where they focused on vision uh, and where they focused mm -hmm. on thoughts that really opened my mind up to the way that we actually work. You know, I mean, we have a, a, um, a very base level understanding of the way that humans function in the physical world. But when you begin to examine, like, what makes our bodies function this way, at times it can seem like we're never under our own control. And, and that can be a very frightening thing to delve into. Yes. Yes. And, and I think that this idea of hypnosis, you know, really, you bring up a great point there. It hits that little core inner thing that's in the edges of our brain that says maybe we're not in control. Uh, so, but do you, would you say then that for those who are interested, for those who begin to, to seek uh, these sorts of answers or, or ask these sorts of questions about themselves and others, do you see delving into hypnotherapy especially or guided meditations um, uh, in a different route, do you see that as sort of taking control of your own programming? Yes, somebody is programming me. I might as well be in charge of what and in what way. You absolutely have nailed it. <laughs> yes. And, and that again would be why, you know, it makes people a little nervous because you know, goodness, it would be so terrible if, if human beings were under their own control rather than constantly being like made into cattle to buy Gucci shoes. Yes. Um, I, but um, why, who is that scary to? Is that scary to us? Why, why would that be scary to the individual that they actually have control about what's coming in? And yet, like it is, I, I even feel it myself. Like I, I, as I, as you wrap your mind around, yes, I am choosing to take this um, line of thinking and put it at the base of my actions for today and, and hopefully moving forward in the future. And yet, by right. really taking ownership of that, that's a frightening thought too. 
Totally. And that's where that comes in. So with the meditation minis, with guided meditation in general, um, those could be kind of summed up as a combination of as a uh, contemplation meditation, which is meditating on a thought, as well as a visualization meditation. So thinking about it and picturing it then engages the feeling of it. And you're right. At that point, you are taking responsibility. And as the human creature has a tendency to not want to take responsibility, right? We want to stay in our little comfort zone. Um, that becomes a little scary. Well, what happens if I take responsibility for that and I fail? Well, you know what? Toddlers learn to walk by failing over and over and over and over again. They just keep getting up. Uh, you know, again, I, I was listening to someone the other day and they were talking about um, gamification and bringing that to education. And, and one of the great points that I thought um, they made was that video games, one of the base ideas of a video game is that you will fail multiple times, especially early on, and there's no shame in that. Everyone will fail. Everyone will die. You're, you know, you're playing Mario, you're going to die five times on that first level before you get the hang of the jump. Um, and and <laughs> right. yet, in the classroom... There is shame. There is, um, and and we do that in our personal lives and our careers as yes. well. If you if you don't succeed on the the big report or the big uh, project or the you know the application for that next job or whatever, um, is there a is that a a major focus for you taking away the fear of failure? Definitely. Like if there's one thing that I do over and over and over again is I help people undo their negative thinking patterns. Um, and certainly fear of failure, guilt, shame, these are all part of our negative thinking patterns. We get addicted to our thinking patterns, positive and negative. Um, that's why somebody who has a tendency to be depressed, if they spend a day or two not feeling so sad and blue, they feel like something's terribly wrong. <laughs> Because they're so used to the chemical cocktail that gets created by the thinking patterns. Every thinking pattern we have creates a chemical cocktail. So when you're learning how to undo one, it can feel a little weird, uncomfortable. But if you're creating a better chemical con uh, cocktail by more positive thinking patterns, then ultimately it's going to be easier for you to succeed. So let's, if, for people who are following this and are like, man, this all sounds fascinating and I want to find out more, where do you start if you're interested in um, these sorts of ideas, if you're interested in taking control of, of that programming and taking control of the messages that uh, we're beaming into our own brain? Would you recommend that people start with meditation first or should they seek out hypnotherapy? Wow, I've never been asked that question before. Um, I like it. I would actually recommend starting with some short guided meditations. A lot of people, if they listen to like the half hour, hour long ones, they fall asleep. If you are at, at all unsure of the kind of suggestions that that particular meditation is giving, then by all means, listen to it first without letting yourself you know, close your eyes and get relaxed. Listen to the content. Make sure that you agree with it. Whether you do hypnosis or meditation, though, I want to point out, you will never take in any kinds of suggestions that go against your own inner moral code. So even somebody who's like super deeply hypnotized in a stage show hypnosis, I've actually seen them like ab react, which means not they're wanting to come out of the hypnosis. Um, even somebody who can go that deep that they would end up in a stage show 
I can't make them rob a bank, but if they are a bank robber, I could probably talk them into giving me the money. <laughs> that's a that's a very good uh, a succinct way to describe it, and I think that's the biggest fear, right? Is that um, yeah. well, and and we're going to get to it in a minute here, but this this story out of Florida, I, I saw you yes. responding to it um, on on Facebook the other day. Uh, for people yeah. who have not heard about this, uh, a Florida school board has just paid out about six hundred thousand dollars to some families, three students. Um, died supposedly after they were hypnotized by their former high school principal. I mean, this is the fear, right? That we've got sleeper yeah. cell agents out there because of, of some master hypnotherapist. Sounds like something out of right. the next Marvel series on Netflix, I think. <laughs> well, that would be a fun series to work on. <laughs> but I mean... So yeah, the Florida thing was kind of crazy. Um, do you want my take on it? Well, it, well yeah, let's let's get into it a little bit. So, but but I mean, that is that is the major point, and and we need to say that before we get to it. There there is no, uh, there's there's no proof. There's no studies that have shown. As a matter of fact, there's studies that have shown very much the opposite. But there's nothing out there to show that someone can actually put in uh, an, an action that the that the person wouldn't do in their conscious life. Right? That's never been shown. Correct. Okay. Yeah, they did a they did a study um, at Harvard, and I forget the year, or the name of the study, uh, and they dubbed it the observer effect. And anytime, even with deeply hypnotizable, now most people are not deeply hypnotizable. Uh, that's just a, a subset of about ten percent of the population. Um, even with those subjects, if you told them to do something that they were morally uncomfortable with, each and every time they came fully out of hypnosis. It's like being asleep at night. And um, if you're scared of tornado sirens and you hear a tornado siren, you're going to wake up. But if you're not scared of tornado sirens, you're not going to wake up. Huh. That's a very, a very direct way to put it. Okay. So um, specifically in this case, the, the, the principal, George Kinney is the man's name. Uh, and this was a common practice supposedly that he had. He had hypnotized members of the staff. He had hypnotized um, students as well. And, and for years, from for all accounts, years, yeah, for several this. years. And mm -hmm. from all accounts, this had been fairly innocuous. He, he was hypnotizing people to do better on their tests, hypnotizing people uh, to perform better on the field, hypnotizing people who were going through um, stressful situations at home, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what, what do you think happened here? Um, we, you've got three separate students, all that reportedly had recent hypnosis from him and then um, you know, died in, in fairly suspicious circumstances and, and one fairly directly a, a suicide. Yes. So I did a little back research and um, it's interesting. The first student who died, the accounts dating back to was 2011 when it first happened, um, the accounts differed. In some accounts, they said it was suicide. In other accounts, they said that it was a drug overdose that was ruled suicide. Um, in some accounts, he was, it was just very different. Uh, found in an abandoned house, apparent suicide, but drugs involved um, kind of ended up being the consensus. The uh, young lady uh, was a suicide. And then the third gentleman, he apparently drove off the road with his girlfriend in the car and they believe he was in that moment trying to practice some self-hypnosis for pain management because he had just had um, some dental surgery. Yes. Well, I would never recommend that anybody like, you know, 
close their eyes and meditate in a car, let alone <laughs> do self-hypnosis while driving. Yes. Um, in fact, sometimes I have had clients when I do uh, sessions with them and they, their house is crazy, they will get in the car and I always tell them, absolutely do not even sit in the driver's seat parked in your driveway because we zone out when we drive anyway. It puts us into a trance. Um, so I always have them get in the back seat just to help make that safe. So with all three of these incidences, yes, he had hypnotized them, but he had hypnotized a bunch of other students as well. Um, the, what they got him for was that in Florida, there is a law in the books from 1961, I believe, and several states have similar laws, that you are not allowed to pr practice hypnosis or hypnotherapy without uh, medical oversight. So either you need to be uh, a medical doctor or a uh, psychiatrist, or they need to be overseeing the work that you're doing. So they use this old law uh, that nobody had been using against anybody to win the case. They never actually said that the hypnosis caused the deaths. They just allude to it every time they comment on it. Right. And, but specifically, it's, a, it's effectively a malpractice suit is, is what they've got him yes. on here. He, he just, he's practicing without a license, practicing without the proper exactly. approval. Um, so yes. let's talk about where you are and, and what the laws are there. In, you're in Ohio now. You're based in Ohio. Um, what is uh, Ohio's um, opinion on hypnotherapy? And, and is there a licensure or how does that work? How does it work around the rest of the country? Um, that's a great question. Different states have different laws. Uh, the hypnosis union, uh, is it 476? I'm terrible with numbers. Huh. They keep a running list of what's happening. Uh, I originally got my training in California and their laws are a little different. In general, there is no licensing for somebody practicing hypnotherapy. So it's always super important if you go to see a hypnotherapist that you talk to them, make sure you feel comfortable with the things that they're just saying. You know, we're good at reading people. Um, ask them about their credentials, ask them where they got educated. Um, you know, if their reviews available, look for those testimonials, etc. There's been some back and forth about licensing. So Yes, licensing can be good, but unfortunately, the people who would want to license hypnotherapy don't believe that hypnotherapy is a good modality. <laughs> like they don't, they, unfortunately, talk therapy, you know, you, you go see a talk therapist for like 16 years, right? And a talk therapist might say, oh, my client of all these years. That doesn't happen in hypnosis because it's, uh, it's much more solution oriented. People get better quicker. Yes. Okay. So th that right there, and I am not a, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Uh, I'm not a, uh, I, I'm not one of these people that mistrusts generally, um, you know, quote unquote, big medicine. I don't, I don't feel badly no, about my doctor and all those sorts of things, but, but it does occur to me. And I, I feel this way. I brought up chiropractic, uh, chiropractic um, care earlier because that's something that I've used in the past. And it's also something that the quote unquote mainstream medical profession generally looks at askew. Um, and, yes. and with and acupuncture as well. Yes. And, yes. And that's just now getting covered. You know, acupuncture was considered voodoo medicine and now uh, healthcare providers are covering for those sessions. And I think as we, and again, as the, as the medical profession and the, and the, um, medical care in our country specifically changes, uh, you know, with the recent enactment of the ACA and, and the sort of the move to more of a socialized medicine, 
I think you're going to see more and more people focusing on preventative measures and and um, overall care of the body as opposed to just attacking our our individual symptoms and ailments, um, which is the way that the traditional medicine has worked so far. You know, you're sick and you go to the doctor and you get fixed. Whereas right now, I think even the insurance companies are starting to see, hey, if we can get people to live better lives. <laughs> Um, yeah. through different ways. If we can get them to be more healthy mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically, then they come to the doctor less. They have uh, yeah. these major ailments less. They have these major procedures less. And so I think hypnosis, acupuncture, all of these things are going to be brought in more and more into the mainstream. And it's going to be the money, uh, the money managers that will make that choice, not the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like that. And I do want to say, I, I am not against talk therapy. My son goes to a talk therapist from time to time. I have gone to see her as well. I'm not against that. Um, what I am against is saying, you know, this is all good and this is all bad. And, and that I don't believe in. That's like saying, you know, the Democrats are right and the Republicans are wrong or the Republicans are right and the Democrats are wrong. You know what? Everybody wants to feed their family. Everybody wants to have a roof over their head. So let's look at it from a holistic standpoint. If, if talk therapy can help with some cognitive understanding, then maybe some hypnosis or hypnotic meditation kind of stuff can help shift the subconscious mind to feel more comfortable to make those changes. And that's really what it is. It's about getting that energetic, emotional part of your mind uh, in the happiness hypothesis. He talks about the subconscious mind being an elephant and the conscious mind being a little rider man on top of the elephant. So getting that emotional elephant to want to eat apples instead of eat cookies would be a really good thing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm a pretty analytical guy and I like to... Um I like to know a lot about the things that I'm getting into. For people who, again, they, they find more and more interest in this as we've been discussing it, what's a few good resources? What are some good books that they could get into to learn more about the way these things work and, and the way their mind works before they dive in feet first? Right. Okay. So uh, Buddha's Brain is a book that um, talks about the neuroscience of meditation. And for people who love, love, love to have, you know, that kind of information, that would be great. I'm a huge fan of functional MRI studies and such. Um, there is a blog that I recently found that I've fallen in love with. And the URL is a little weird, but I think if you just Google uh, barking up the wrong tree, you'll be able to find it. And I will give you uh, the direct link for the show notes as well. Wonderful. Uh, yes, and you can. And then, as far as hypnosis, I would say first read on WebMD because they're a good third-party source for information, uh, and then search in the American Hypnosis Association directory would be one place to search. Uh, there's a couple of other hypnosis boards. Some of them only certify people who have done hypnotherapy training on top of having like a marriage family counseling license and other such things. But a well-trained hypnotherapist um, who's constantly learning and, and practicing their trade uh, is going to be just as good. In fact, probably better than somebody who maybe does hypnosis three hours a week with clients. Hmm. 
That's that's an interesting take. You know, the name of the show is is what makes me weird. And as I said in the intro, <laughs> you're weird for lots of reasons. You're a Cali girl that's that's now in Ohio. Uh, you uh, are a hypnotherapist. You are. Um, uh, the host of this meditation minis podcast um, and a podcaster, which makes you weird all on your own. But what, what do you think is the number one thing that makes shell weird? That is, wow. You're, you're good with these, like could pick a thousand different answers kind of questions. The number one thing that makes shell weird. I'm incredibly logical, but at the same time, uh, I am, very intuitive, but I don't like to go with the intuition. Does that make sense? So I, I'm hesitant with the intuition. That definitely makes me weird. Um, but I would say the thing that makes me the weirdest is that I'm an information junkie who loves sci-fi. I've seen every episode of Battlestar Galactica reimagined. Um, and I think that those are the interesting things that make me weird. That my love of, of research studies if you can't footnote it, I don't want to hear about it. I'm with you. Where's your source? Where's the source? <laughs> yes, it drove me crazy. Years ago, I was re- trying to read a Deepak Chopra book, and you know he's like talking about this and that and medical stuff, and I'm like, where's the footnote, dude? I'm not going to believe you just because you're a doctor. I want to see the research. <laughs> but see, okay, that right there, that line, I'm not going to believe you just because you're a doctor. I think that goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier. We're, we're talking about licensing of hypnotherapists and, and um, you know, the acceptance of practices like acupuncture and chiropractic and, and all of these things, these, these uh, sort of um, natural medicines, uh, if you want to it, call it that. I think it's interesting that we are so skeptical of those and yet – all it takes is a degree on the wall and you have no, you don't ask any questions about the doctor. Like your, your insurance company says, this is the doctor you should go to. And you go to that doctor and he's got a degree on the wall and there's nurses in the front office and you go, yeah, okay, I'll let him do whatever he wants to do to me now. Oh, that's such a great point. I never, I never pictured it quite like that, but yes, you're so right. And, and that just goes back to the fact that we as a society have agreed on the, the base programming that this is valid. This institution grants validity and we don't need to investigate any further than that. And I think like that is the, like, that's the number one negative thinking that I think we need to replace. And that goes for college educations, for professionals, that goes for, um, uh, you know, the, our, our belief in the medical profession, but, but, uh, disinterest or, or disapproval of, um, the more, I don't know the esoteric is the right, but the, the more, um, natural or traditional medicines. Like when we talk about mainstream medicine, you think of the guy with the stethoscope, but these practices, hypnotherapy, meditation, guided meditation, uh, uh, acupuncture, those are all much, much older than, you know, gallbladder surgery. Yep. Way, way older. They used to have, uh, in ancient Egypt, I believe it was, uh, sleep places. I, I forget what they called them exactly. There were these temples of sleep that you would basically go and, and the um, priest would help you meditate to overcome whatever it was that you were having issues with. And certainly some of the, the guided meditation work that I do and incorporate in the hypnotherapy, again, it's you know kind of the same thing in a lot of ways. 
some slight differences. Uh, they go back to ancient Buddhist techniques of meditation that I have borrowed and removed the dogma from. And I'm always very open and honest that, you know, oh, this comes from this lineage. And um, so, yeah, very ancient practices. If you want to learn about the mind, the best way to learn about the mind is to go study the people who have been studying the mind for thousands of years. And those would be the Buddhists. So let's let's go from right there, though. Uh, I am uh, a Christian, uh, and I don't talk about my faith a ton, but I am a Christian. I'm a very liberal Christian, I'll say that. Um, but I mean, I'm a Methodist. I'm a, I'm a mainstream, uh, you know, Protestant evangelical here uh, in in Louisiana, in the middle of the Bible Belt. I, I hear mm -hmm. a lot. I hear about people who first get into yoga. I hear about people who begin to experiment in meditation and they get a lot of blowback from family and friends and say, hey, 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 that's yeah. not that's coming from a different religious um, tradition. And you're, you're sort of dabbling in things that you shouldn't necessarily get into there. But what, what would you say to that? I mean, and obviously you've referenced um, Buddhism a couple of times here, but I, th I think it's very easy for people who actually pay attention to it, who don't just, again, buy into what someone else says, but actually look at the material, um, that that's not the case. It doesn't have to be the case. And you can use meditation techniques, uh, hypnotherapy, yoga, et cetera, et cetera, no matter what religious tradition you follow. Would you agree with yes. that? Yes. Well, you know, I would agree with that. And, and I understand why it makes um, people uncomfortable, Christians uncomfortable. You know, I understand that we have most of us have grown up with really only knowing one uh, religious symbol system, which is Christianity. And, and that term is actually borrowed from a Lutheran minister um, whose name escapes me at the moment. She's all tattooed. And um, so we have these different symbol systems. And the one that, that we're most comfortable with is the one that we grew up with. Now, does that mean that yoga is, you know, evil? Well, no, I don't believe that that's the case. It's exercise, really. It's exercise moving your body and your breath together so that you can be more present. And I believe that Christ was incredibly present. And everything that I've ever read about Christ was that he was, you know, he was definitely the status quo breaker. He hung out with the people that the religious people would say were the bad people. You know, he hung out with the prostitutes and the lepers. And and so if Christ was going to be from love, then that's a beautiful thing. And I think that a lot of other religions are also from love. Buddhism comes at it from a different angle. I believe they come at it from um, more of a detached angle, whereas uh, some of the other religions in the world are more evangelical. I don't know if I answered your question. No, and I, I think get, it gets into murky waters. Well, it does. And again, you like wh what I th what I think is the important part, though, is that like the idea that you have to you're not subsuming yourself or your beliefs or your ideas to a, a new school. The the I think the point of meditation or or um, hypnotherapy or uh, any of these like deeper delves into yourself is to pull out the things that you that you don't mean to be there. You know, it's not, so, so yeah. if you, if you want Christ at the center of your life and if you want to be a, a Christ follower uh, and, and you want his teachings and uh, you know, the edicts of your particular denomination to be at the center of your life, there are lots of things that come from the culture that you're raised in and the influences yeah. that you put into your life that are not connected to that at all. And meditation, right. hypnotherapy, et cetera, would be one tool to begin to pull those out. I would totally agree. I believe that 
meditation, at least in the, the guided realm, and hypnotherapy has the power to help you move out of ego and move into more of a God-centered place of being. It, it's almost as though you can change your clothes at any time. And by being aware of that, and when you have a hypnotic or meditative experience, um, because your body and mind can't tell the difference, and this was proven in studies in the 70s with divers, because your body and mind cannot tell the difference between what you're picturing in, while you're in a, re, a trance situation, even if it's just a light, relaxed trance situation, and reality, it can't tell the difference. So if you're sitting and you're listening and you're practicing really stepping out of your own ego, stepping out of you know pride, anger, whatever it is that are your personal ego triggers that it likes to follow, and stepping into a place of compassion and love and joy and connection, then your body and mind think that you've been doing that and it becomes easier to do it in real life more and more each and every day. And that is uh, where we come to the Meditation Minis podcast. Um, and, and that's one great tool that I'm using to do those exact things right now. Uh, and you can check it out too. ShellHamilton.com is the website. You can find links for the podcast there, whether you're an iTunes user or uh, Android user or, or however you want to access the show. Uh, the other cool thing that you've got on your website, Shell, and I want to make sure that people know about this, is your ebook. Let's talk a little bit about Rewire It. Yeah. So Rewire It are three steps. And Quite frankly, Joel, I have no idea where these came from. I, I went back about two years after my education. I went to the first um, nationally accredited college of hypnotherapy in the United States. Um, and I went back to them and contacted some of my teachers. And I'm like, you know, I've been using these three steps like in my own life and with clients. And I, I'm sure I borrowed them from like some NLP or maybe this or that. And, and I was sure like these two teachers, one of these two teachers had taught it. And both of them came back to me and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I never taught you that. <laughs> so, so somehow it's just like this, I don't know, it just kind of came together. And what it is, it's three simple steps, non-hypnotic. Um, although for those of you who have been listening, you probably figured out that lots of things are hypnotic that we would call non-hypnotic. But it doesn't require any kind of trance. <laughs> you don't have to close your eyes to do these three steps. And it's a process that you cancel out negative thought patterns and either recreate positive, doable thought patterns, which the 15 minutes that it would take a person to read the ebook will explain more specifically. Um, or if you're already emotionally triggered, uh, then you do step three, which is running kind of a, a boring monologue of the activities that are happening right here, right now. And I will tell you, I used to be really crazy. Um, that's part of the reason why I can help clients so well because I used to see sharks in swimming pools in my 20s. I was so traumatized by Jaws as a kid that I would see sharks in swimming pools. And I remember in my 20s opening my eyes and seeing the shark and knowing that there's no shark. I'm hearing Jaws music. Hello, there's no shark there and they're certainly not playing Jaws music under the pool water. And I physically had to get out of the pool even though mentally I knew that this was crack crazy. Like I was, that was insane. And I'm laughing and terrified all at the same time. Um, very intense fear. And I used these three steps in the Rewire It ebook. And two years ago, I went snorkeling in open water where there could have at any time 
than sharks. And by the way, I'm claustrophobic too. So a snorkel mask on top of a shark fear. <laughs> I was doing these three steps over and over and over again, but it totally worked. And next year I want to go to South Africa and get in a shark tank uh, with the chummed up great whites and do it again. Oh my so goodness. That I can be completely done with that fear. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, well, I got to tell you, I do not like to get in open water specifically because of the sharks. I, I don't see sharks in the swimming pool, but uh, any larger body than that, if I can't see the bottom, I, I begin to get uh, a little worried about it, which again, it's a, it's a completely irrational fear. Think about the, the millions and millions of people who are killed in all the other ways the the handful yeah. any given year that that are injured even in a shark attack let alone killed and yet that's what you and i are worried about like why not the bus that's going to hit us in the in the street the next time we get out in the road you know like ugh. anyway exactly well that's interesting though because now it brings it kind of back full circle so the reason why so many people have this visceral fear of sharks is because it's been programmed into us by media television and movies. Exactly. And it, um, it's simple things like, and I mean, not to get too political, but um, to take it back to the news specifically, you hear things like um, uh, the war on cops. And yet, if you look at the number, the number of police officers killed in the line of duty has been going down for years and years and years. It's lower this year than it has yes. been in decades. And yet, yes. the perception is that there is this active war on policemen and, and we've got this rash of of police murders it's just not the case and yet that's what we all believe um we believe yeah. that uh you know i, I don't know uh, socialized medicine uh will be the end of freedom in our society because that's what <laughs> we have been told um whereas if you look at the numbers hey it's cheaper we'd all save money and we'd all be healthier too <laughs> Exactly. And, and so many of those people who are against socialized medicine, they're like, oh, I'm going to move to Canada. Canada's like, had so socialized medicine for socialized. decades. Yeah. <laughs> Gay marriage, too. I know, right? <laughs> like, okay, go ahead and do that. Well, when we look at the countries, you know, when we talk about that stuff, if we're going to choose our models, right? And that's what we're talking about. We're choosing our mental models when we're we're practicing things. You choose a mental model of, um, you know, going to church maybe once, maybe even three times a week, because that helps you remember who you want to be the rest of the week. I go to church once a week. It helps me remember who I want to be the rest of the week. And so if we're going to choose a model, let's choose one that's actually working, like, you know, the Nordic countries. And, and that's, uh, a, that's a great place to, to wrap up, I think, right here. So, so what this is yeah. about, hypnotherapy, guided meditation, whatever sort of self-introspection that you decide to take and, and the road that you decide to take to be a better person, the point of it is to make sure that you are making active choices about what you take in, what you put out, and, and the way that you interact with and um, experience your own world. Absolutely. You know, by not being active in that process, you're essentially choosing, or I am essentially choosing, to sit on the couch, eat a bag of potato chips, and tell myself how I should be going to the gym and not eating that stuff, but not making a different choice. And so by getting active and clear on what you want and using the tools to help you create it, then at the end of your life, when you look back, you're going to be like, yeah, I ate a couple bags of chips, but I went to the gym a lot and I ate healthy and I'm proud of the person that I became. I became more loving. I became more compassionate. I became more 
motivated, whatever it is that you need more of in your life, these are tools to help your subconscious mind get you there. Awesome. All right, Shell Hamilton. You can find her at shellhamilton.com. She's the host of the Meditation Minis podcast available on iTunes and elsewhere. Um, and uh, you've got some courses coming up on your website pretty soon, right? I do. I've been working on an insomnia course, um, and I'm actually working with the Atlanta VA uh, on some research studies that they're using with the vets and insomnia, which is really exciting work. Uh, and I am going to be launching here in the next couple of weeks a weekly podcast that will live stream once a week uh, for mindful eating for those of us who are having issues with wanting to lose weight or eat in a healthier way. And I'm really looking forward to doing that one as well. Wonderful. All right, Shell, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, Joel, it's been my pleasure. You are awesome. And Isn't she great? Uh, man, I enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did too. Here's what I want to add, though, and I believe uh, we might have even gotten a um, an audio note. We might have time to get an audio note from Shell about this to expound upon it, and I'll insert that myself. Uh, but if, in case she didn't make it in time, I wanted to add this onto uh, the show so that, that you know exactly where she sits. She did a little bit more research after the conversation about the Florida situation, the story of the principal who had uh, been hypnotizing students and faculty members and, and ended up three of those students uh, died. And they ended up, um, the, the school board and the families ended up getting a settlement out of the school board uh, for this, $200,000 each uh, for the families uh, of these uh, children who passed away. Shell wanted to let us know she didn't realize at the time that we spoke that the principal did not have written permission from any of the parents. She says, that's a part of what I always have in my practice, so I didn't even think to wonder if others were getting written permission too. Also, while the young lady was not using hypnosis to help with her depression, she apparently did have a depression diagnosis. Not sure of the other two students in question. Um, Therefore, the principal should have also gotten a medical referral in addition to parental permission. And again, it still doesn't um, change the fact that there's little to no proof that hypnosis can directly affect uh, something like a, a desire to commit suicide, for instance. But no doubt this guy was operating outside the parameters of the law and outside the parameters of just ethical um, practice for a hypnotherapist, for any uh, wellness practitioner of any kind. So uh, we wanted to make sure that we included that. And again, thanks to Shell for that information, as well as just her openness uh, during the discussion. We had a great time, and I'm looking forward to talking to her more. Uh, you can find her at shellhamilton.com. I'll have links for you in the show notes if you're interested. And um, again, just I strongly urge you, give meditation a try. If you've never tried it before, if you've tried it once or twice and, and hadn't been successful with it, Try out the Meditation Minis podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy what, what Shell brings to the table. Thank you for joining us this week for this conversation. And don't forget, you can come back next week and every week here at What Makes Me Weird for another great conversation about our guest's passion. Next week's guest, we're actually going to have Kyle Sweeney back in the studio for the first time on What Makes Me Weird. Uh, he uh, had several episodes uh, in our previous form as we were me and the geek uh, where he and I talked about the MCU, we talked about Spider-Man, we talked about uh, Saturday Night Live. 
This uh, coming week, we're going to be talking about Star Wars, in particular, our own Star Wars baggage, what we bring into uh, this series and, and what we've thought about it and how it's affected our lives throughout the years. And then specifically, we're going to talk a little bit about the most recent trailer for Star Wars The Force Awakens, the new episode seven that's coming out this Christmas. Uh, we hope you come back again for that. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher all over the web. You can find us at Blog Talk Radio slash makes me weird and on twitter and facebook too just search for makes me weird until next week i've been your host joel sharpton keep it weird you got busted without a dime be your name you took a bus ride with your mindset to fame they had a tough time remembering your name well we don't no we don't you missed your big chance to be a Hollywood star But for most folks That never was in the cards Well you sailed And you failed Well at least you got to do it While you were young Before you get old And you lose your nerve So here's to you From the great Pelican State It's never too late to come back home so here's to you for doing what you gotta do we'll be waiting here with love in place from the great the great pelican state what Makes Me Weird is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find more info and a full list of our episodes at blogtalkradio slash makesmeweird. You can also email the show to makesmeweird at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook or Twitter by searching Makes Me Weird. Our theme song is From the Great Pelican State by Adam Dale. Two Guys and a Rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is the network. These fingers crossed, Paprika Burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my Paprika Burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. This is not just bread. This is a delicious M&S sliced loaf. Just one of our range that has been sliced from £1.15 to 65p. Enriched with vitamin D and fibre, it's great for packed lunches. This is not just value. This is M&S value. Subject to availability, excludes franchise stores.